Chat. <laughs> I had to do is be a, a secret Christian. You keep your mouth shut, you won't be stoned. Nobody would hurt your feelings. You keep your mouth shut, and you go through life and, quote, be happy, whatever happy is. Well, Acts 7, 55, I go to, to the end, and, and that was where we're winding up to. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, we'll come back to this guy and his statement and the significance of that. God chose to reveal the type of a martyr that he greatly approves of. Regardless of the extreme anger and hatred that brutal, uh, brutally murdered him, he was still able, with his uh, dying breath, to ask God to forgive them. <laughs> he didn't go out cursing. <laughs> you know? He still, that, now that, that takes something. That takes something. And I want you to notice as we go through this, there's some words here that's very important as we look at it. Some very important words. And we see here, thinking it through, it says, loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind is a divine command that many times has embedded uh, in it inevitable pain, heartaches, and suffering our Lord Jesus Christ. For those who would live righteously, not might, could, should, they, listen, they will suffer persecution. And please, it's not like looking at television, you turn television off. The Lord is talking to each one of us. If you're going to live for Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. And guess what? It's going to, the persecution that will come into your life will be a lot of time from the least expected area. First Timothy 3.12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I thought I'd back it up with scripture. I'll outline this morning his profile. We want to take a look at the man, take a snapshot of his profile. Two, his power. The man had power. Uh, and number three, his persecution, his persecution. God says, I want you to see, here's where um, a person who's living for God, who speaks up for God, and who died for God, he says, I want you to see the whole story. I'm putting it there right in the book of Acts so you can learn from it. It's all there for you to learn. And I want you to see something else in it. It's important that you see what made this man, that it impacted lives. Because something happened in this particular book you'll find nowhere else in Scripture. Nowhere else in Scripture. Only in this book of Acts, the, uh, and it will be the seventh chapter, that you, you'll find uh, this happening. Okay? So let's go with the first one, his profile. And that's chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It says, now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because, because their widows were neglected in daily distribution. 
Then the twelve summoned uh, the multitude of disciples and said, it is not, uh, desire, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. See the qualification? The whole idea of number one, Full of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does a person look like being full of the Holy Spirit? Uh, this word full means, let's, let's flip the word full and say control. What is it? Okay, when, when a person is drunk, he's, he's full of whatever he's drinking, okay? So that the whole idea is this, is that when you see the word full, means he's controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's why when it said be filled with the Holy Spirit, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so we enter into this thing saying, here's what it looks like when, you, when the Holy Spirit is in control. Say, find seven men who's going to take care of this, this mass problem. And notice, they didn't say a committee. Say, get, first thing, is they start off with the spiritual. Find spiritual men who, number one, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're wise. Notice all the spiritual attributes from whom we can appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose uh, Stephen. There he is, the first one up there, a man of, uh, full of faith, Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, and Procurus, and Nicanto, and Timon, and... Parmenas and, and Nicholas as, the, as a proselyte from Antioch. Then he goes on and says, and therefore, brethren, seek out from them among you. Got that. Okay. Um, uh, let me go. I must have it. Okay. Consider this. It must be embraced by being all, all in. Jesus calls it uh, abiding. It must be evident by being confirmed by others who have been affected by your life. It must be necessary to be in a position that will greatly enhance God's eternal purpose. The, the people who were chosen, it had to be, number one, embraced by all. It had to be all in. Give me somebody who's full of the Holy Spirit. So not folks who are weeble wobbles. Not folks who have some business over here and got something over here, and they're saying, Lord, I'll do this for you after I do this. God says, no, when you say you're all in, you're all in. So Jesus first and everything else second. Then it must be evident by being confirmed by others. Others have to see what's going on in your life. He said, find seven men. That means other folks have seen the way you live. Find seven men. That's how the choice would come down to leadership and everything else. It's not that the board chooses someone or application may be. They, they have to go under the approval of the congregation. It's not what the board thinks. It's, it's what the congregation. Do you know anything that we had to find out about this guy? What's the reputation behind the person? What's the reputation? It must be necessary to be in a position that will greatly enhance God's eternal purpose, not man's agenda. It's got to be a person in a position that he's not pulled aside by all of the small issues in life and he's still doing what Jesus Christ did to seek and to save those who are lost. That's his job. That's the job of the church. 
I understand the social issues of our time. I understand the injustices of our time. I understand all of those things. What is the job of the church? What did Jesus Christ tell us to do bottom line? What did he tell us to do? And what do you think the disciples were doing? What Jesus Christ taught them to do. What do you think Stephen was doing? What, what, uh, what um, Jesus Christ taught them to do. What do you think the church should be doing? You see, the problems in our schools and everything else, number one, it starts in a spiritual realm before it's in a physical realm. I was looking at television, and uh, they had these, these uh, educated folks, and they were sitting in a circle. They got it all together. Uh, they finally got them together to, to uh, talk over the issues, and they were totally perplexed. And one of the statements was, we don't know what to do. They still won't listen to the church. They won't listen to the church. They won't recognize the church. When they, when they talked about prayer, I didn't see any news uh, or uh, any news media talking about prayer or showing anything about prayer going all the way down uh, this, this street. There, no one all the way down. There was nothing about the church. Nothing. 9-11, all, I don't care where it was, there was nothing said. Nothing said about what the church did. I can go on and on. Always neglect the church. Always neglect the church. And the, but the church, our job is, understand, our God, job is to share Jesus Christ, and then God will draw those whom he had chosen. Very simple task. Very simple task. Stephen was locked into this. And... Uh, and so notice the solution to any problem must first start and be established from the spiritual realm. You hear me say that all the time. First uh, Corinthians 5, uh, 8, 1 through 5. Paul mentioned the Macedonians first giving up themselves to the Lord before their goods and service. You see, all of the above characteristics are embedded in the life of every believer. It only has to be activated by, uh, by and lived out, verses 6 to 9. We have to activate it and live it out the holy spirit is there we have power we have there's nothing you have to go to school to get everything you have to turn this world upside down you got it made in the shade you got it made in the shade and so my my challenge to you then my challenge to you is to um have you be like a stephen be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that is so important. So important. So, his power, chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. Now, note the results of it. Now, now this arose some from what is called the synagogue of the free men, whatever it is. The Cretans and the Alexandrians and those from Sicilia and, and Asia disputing with, with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit, and see the capital S there, by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the squires, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. If they can't get you, then they'll go against you. The moment that you start telling the truth and the moment that you really start heading home, 
Now folks are irritated because you are affecting their lifestyle. As long as you affect their lifestyle, uh, as long as you don't affect the lifestyle, you're fine. The moment you affect the lifestyle, now they get upset. Here, now understand where it's from. Notice where the friction is from. Let me go back. It says, from what is called the synagogue, that's place of, te uh, of teaching, okay? Um, uh, the synagogue, uh, pedagogy, that's where you get the word pedagogy, teaching. So the synagogue of the free men, uh, the Cretans, the Alexandrian and, uh, Alexandrians and uh, Sicilia and, and they of Asia, disputing with Stephen. They argued with him. What do you think they were arguing with? The word. And guess what? He was so controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would just come, I mean, they kept, the Holy Spirit just kept nailing them. Boom, boom, boom. So since they couldn't get it, it was embarrassing. Why? In the place of teaching, this, this deacon who was supposed to be serving tables, he was handling it. He was taking God's word and he was driving it to these guys. They couldn't take the word. Listen, if you want to have a strong position, stay on the word of God. Hang with it. I don't care who it is. I'm saying it from experience. I dealt with professors in front of their, their uh, students uh, and, and places like that. They're arguing with me. And I said, all I'm here to do is with Kilroy and talk about these uh, phonics and everything, how you use it and everything else. I'm not here. But he was nailing me. But I said, but if you're going to nail me, I'm, I decided to stay with the word. And as long as I stay with the word, he was, he was perplexed. And the students, we were all around at the table, and the students were, uh, the guy was saying, what books were you getting that from? <laughs> I said, I'm getting it from the Word of God. He said, well, why don't you come to my house? I, got so, I said, no, I'm not going to your house. If you're acting crazy here, you think you're going to get me to your house? Uh, do I look like a fool? Who do you? <laughs> Listen, when you stand on the Word, I guarantee you, God's Word will make you wiser. That's what Psalm talked about. It'll, it'll make you wiser than your instructors. More understanding when the Holy Spirit begins, because you begin to see life from an entirely different perspective. But understand, as you begin to look at life from a different perspective, expect pressure. Because as long as you are politically correct, everybody will love you. You stay politically, politically correct, then it, you're wonderful. But the moment that you see it from a different perspective, whoa, that, that's when um, I, I thought you, you were looking a little strange anyway, you know. And they, they start, they'll start lying on you. Anything to put you down. You know the thing that really hurts? It happens in the church. It happens in the church. Church has split on situations like this. Many of churches. They also went up, uh, they set up false witnesses who said, this man does not, uh, does not uh, cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. See, they knew how to do it. They start telling folks, they're talking about the, he's talking about the law. He's talking about Moses. And so he's getting the emotions of the people riled up. He says, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place. And you know how much those folks love the temple? Don't destroy this place 
and changed the customs of Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the, in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the, angel, as the face of an angel. As they brought him before court, all of the accusations. You know, sometimes your best defense is to keep your mouth shut. Don't start arguing with folks. Just keep your mouth shut. And as they were bringing all these railing accusations and everything else, and he says, as they looked at me, this, it was just the face. Of an, and I was wondering, I said, I wonder how, I wonder how that looked, you know. Uh, all these accusations. First thing, for him to have the face of angel, which means I'm, re- I'm not responding to your lies, you know. I know it's not true. If it's not true about you, why are you upset? If it's not true about you, don't lose any sleep. And so what happens here, here Stephen is telling us, when you live for the Lord, you're going to get the opposition. They're going to lie on you. But the thing is, when they look on you, what do they see? Do you still hold your posture? Do you still hold it together? And sometimes they say hurting words. Do you still hold it together? Observation. Wherever there is power, there will always be a source of challenge. It considers uh, uh, to change it. Consider the pattern and response. One, resistance. But wisdom, one, one, verses 9 to 10. False accusations. Slander. But the face of, a, of the accused. Then you see the face of the accused. All of these verses show his, how this the pro, whole process of um, my dear friend as he stood his ground, Stephen. Question, why did he seem to have such peace with a relaxed look on his face? And that was the question that came. Said, why, do you, why did he look so relaxed? Isaiah 26.3. Let's read together. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know why? Because he trusts in thee. That's the rest of it. Say why? Because he trusts. That's not, that's more than just a verse. Here is the promise of God. God says, I will keep everyone in this room in perfect peace. If your mind, the word stayed means if your mind is fixed on me. If your mind is fixed on me, nothing what a person says about you, nothing that a person does to you will upset you. Just stay firm. Um, I would love for you know, folks to say nice things, but I can't control, I can't control that. <laughs> there's, there's too many things to do. There's too many lives to impact. There's, the list is too long to worry about what people think and how people feel. Because, listen, I, I learned this from a secular source. So I may as well quote the secular source. Dr. Phil, I heard this a long time ago. And uh, I was busy doing something. I immediately just jotted down and memorized. It says, I don't care how flat a pancake is, there's always two sides to the story. It's always two sides. I don't care what you hear, there's always Two sides, always. So don't ever get upset when you just hear one side. Get the other, get the whole picture. Don't lose your composure. Observation. 
It's not what had, was said about him that affected the whole council. It was the look he had on his face. Oh, they heard his words. They heard about the temple and Moses and everything else. It was just that the puzzling thing was he was not screaming and howling and everything else. He just, he just stood there looking at them with a, a face of an angel. And they couldn't imagine what type of guy is this? Well, you've been patient, so let me just move it along then. His persecution. Here's where he rattled their feathers. There are five significant shots, snapshots of these verses. Though there are many verses, so I'm not going to read them all the way through, but just give you the snapshots. His historical approach, verses 1 through 50. Verses 1 through 50, what he does is he goes through, go through from Abraham, he goes all the way down and gives them a, a history. If you want a good history of Abraham and Moses, I mean, he really lays out, uh, if you want a brief synopsis, synopsis of the Old Testament, then you find that he gives it right there. I mean, he, really, he gives you some little background on Moses that the Old Testament don't give. It's really nice. It's really nice. And so he really lays out, he knows his stuff. He's a deacon that knows his stuff. He's a person that knows the word. If you're going to hang out with Christ, know what you stand for. Know your history. All this, a lot of these other folks, they know their stuff. That's why they can stand on so strong. And some saints are still on Jesus wept. Jesus wept for what? I don't know. It's just I like the verse. What do you mean? Then at least give me some substance to it. Give me some history to it. And that's what he did. He laid out the history. He was historical. Then his cutting accusations. With his cutting accusations, he, was, he said, in essence, because of all of this, he said, you stiff neck, low down. I mean, can you imagine the guy with the angel face all of a sudden starts standing up and saying, you resist them, you murdered, your daddy murdered, and now you turn around and murder, you stiff-necked, low-down rascals, you. And you keep on resisting. Now you know you got the whole crowd uh, rattled now, right? Now you know that they, they are really, and you know what? He can say all of that because he's full of the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Number two, He's wise. Number three, he's fired up. And I want you to see something that's going to happen to our dear, friend, our dear friend. His divine announcement, 54 to 56, then being assaulted. Now, and then his appeal to God. You have... You have these five things that I, I think that is, is, is very important. Um, let me go back here. Let me list out, number one, um, his being assaulted. They took stones, and they began to stone him. And as they began to stone Stephen, I want you to imagine something. You can imagine these big stones. They are so they were so angry that they were, the Bible says they were gnashing their teeth. Now here's here's the reason why they were gnashing their teeth. 
because what happened was, as he was calling these names out to them, then all of a sudden, as they began to stone him, he said, look. He says, I see God, and I see, this, I see the Son of Man. I see him standing on the right hand of God. Now, you, to a Jew, you're talking about a Jesus standing next to Yahweh? They said, ah! And they, I mean, they just went crazy. The stones are flying. And can you imagine? The stones are coming toward you. The stones are hitting you. And now here's the line. He's been hit by the stones. The pains are extreme. That I mean, it is so extreme that as it hits him, here's where they can't take it. Here's what they really couldn't hear. Here's what blew their mind. He says, I see Jesus standing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When does Jesus, usually he sits down. Either he's kneeling and praying, or he's sitting down next to, the, uh, to God after he had finished the work. But now it's like the Bible says, Jesus is standing. And he's, so he's lingering now between life and death. His life is, is creeping out of him, and yet and still he can feel the stones. And yet and still he can see Jesus. He's making that transition. And as the stones are beginning to hit him and everything else, he says, I see Jesus. And then his last words as he moved from the physical to the eternal was, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it says, and he fell asleep. You know, when you do an analysis of that whole passage, when you see what's going on, then what happened is this. The analysis of that whole passage is this. That is that um, you have an individual who's standing between life and eternal life. They're throwing stones out of their anger, and once, but once he die, it's all over. Theirs is just beginning. Jesus is going to deal with them. But as he steps over the line, on this side, well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus is standing up on the other side. He's standing up and said, remember we were saying, you do, no, I do, you watch. Now he's saying, I'm, I'm watching you going through all of this, and I'm standing up. He's, he's almost like he's clapping his hand and saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. And as he moved from, from this life to the other, he says, Lord, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And the pains that he was feeling in that, that split second moved to glory into the other. As he moved into the presence of the Lord forever. No more pain. No more sorrows. And all of the pains of the rock doesn't matter in glory. It's all gone. And what is all of the bad memories that happened behind that? And one thing that followed him was his wisdom and the Holy Spirit and his faithfulness. 
He stayed firm with the Lord. May we, may we walk from this line to the other with that same thing. That as we move out of this life and we move into the other life, that the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant. May we, God not catch us still arguing and screaming and, and saying, no, I hate you. No, no, may God find us. Would he find us faithful? We find us still standing. We find us firm in the word. Will he find us with the Holy Spirit? And guess now, guess what now? The Holy Spirit didn't leave him. The paraclete who walked with him through all the stones and everything else walked with him right on into glory. Oh, you know, Elijah had a chariot. <laughs> no, he had the Holy Spirit. Walking him right on into glory. Right on into the hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. When you have that type of life. And guess, guess what? That's just the deacon. <laughs> That's just one of the seven men that they chose to take care of the tables. That's one of the men that known that they were, they were wise and they were into the word and they were powerful. When you look at all the things that he had done, powerful. My prayer is while there's still time, while you're still breathing, while God has given you the ability, use that time. Wherever you are, the young folks, use that time. You, God is, nobody, nobody, nobody says that you will live to be my age or older. No what? No, there's no guarantee. And so my prayer to you is that you will say, Lord, I'm going to put it all on the altar right now. Now, some believers will go right on in, praise the Lord. Others, and if you ever do any studies here as far as in our day and time of believers, that are tortured in the, in the Muslim worlds. Severely tortured. Severely tortured. And you know what they're, prayer, you know what they're asking for as far as prayer is concerned? Back to America. They said, have them pray that we stand our grounds. Have them pray that we stay faithful. That's all there. Yeah, just that we stay faithful. They're losing their families. They're losing everything. They're all in. My question to you, are you all in? Every now and then we need a Bible study time just to check things out. And God says, this is part of the Bible too. <laughs> and this is the time that God says, I want you to consider those who will live righteously, not might, not should, not could, but they will suffer persecution as we bow in prayer. I would like to pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one of the believers. Thank you for your great grace and your great love for each one. Great is your faithfulness. And I pray that you will Use them to your glory. Help us, Lord, 
to understand that what we do for Christ will last. And coming to Sundays, on, on Sundays, Lord, it's not the whole idea of being entertained, but to be rejuvenated, uh, to be Fills back up, Lord, and and to come also with thanksgiving. We 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 come from the week with all of the challenges and stress, and so we come through the doors and we say, Lord, we just want to come to say thank you. Great is your faithfulness. So I pray for each dear one, Lord, and where they are. They're going to face this week. This may be a great week for them, Lord. It may be a victorious week, and, and you'll be blessing them, Lord. It might be a, a day like Chicago or a hurricane like the East Coast. May it not change the expression on our face. May our face still be smiling because we put our trust in you, and you said you'll keep us in perfect peace if our minds stayed on you. So we commit this day to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, Amen.